0: On Sunday. On Sunday. Come in, Jerusalem. May or may not know what that means. Of course, it's what's termed as Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Right. Uh, some people would say, well, if you're going somewhere to die, how's that triumphal? Because he didn't just go to die, he went to die and raise again. Right. Sister Kay said, "We don't serve. We serve a risen Savior. We don't serve a piece of wood, a piece of stone, or some man that's died that's back to the dust of the earth, or some statue, whatever it is. But our Savior is alive at the right hand of the Father." Praise the Lord. The Scripture says, "Ever to make intercession for us." Several different places in the Gospels, or in, in each Gospel, speaks about the. Jesus' ministry and his ride into Jerusalem. We're going to go to the book of Luke this morning. So Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. I'm going to begin reading in verse 28. Luke 19, 28. The word of God says there that when he had thus spoken he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him thither. And if any man ask you why do you loose him, Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. Mm-hmm. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them, and they, as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose you the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon, and he went, as he went, they spread their clothes in the way, and when he was come nigh, even now to, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God and with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude saith unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out, you may be seated. Now somebody may be sitting there thinking, well Pastor, in that whole reading you said you didn't say anything about palms, so why don't we call it Palm Sunday? If you go to some of the other accounts in the other Gospels, it talks about the people cutting down palm branches, they were laying them in the way in front of Jesus, and I, I've even seen on TV from every now and then, I haven't seen it in a long time, that Uh, Some places people will reenact this event, but it was that day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, came into Jerusalem for the final time, and knowing just shortly after that he's going to be crucified. I'm going to go back and read a few verses. You don't have to turn. This is actually in chapter 18, Uh, but in verse 31, it says, Then he took unto him the twelve and said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Listen to what he says. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And it said, They understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. We see in several different instances in the Gospels when Jesus tried to tell His disciples what was going on. That basically He was going to give His life. He was going to die, but He was going to rise again. And many of those instances we see that they don't really comprehend or or understand anything after He said that He was going to die. To them, that was going to be the end. There was nothing left. It would confuse them. and They they really didn't understand. But the point Jesus wanted them to understand was even though he was going to die, he was going to raise again. Mm -hmm. And next week, we'll be celebrating that glorious resurrection. But yet, we look here when Jesus coming into uh, uh, Jerusalem that day. Now, uh, I know they do it over in England. They may do it in other places. But there's a, a ceremony called whenever there's a new king or a new queen called the coronation. And when the coronation happens, whichever one is being put in as king or queen, whatever the case may be, all the people turn out. And, and I'm sure there's probably millions untold that are gathering everywhere. And it's to, to lift up this new king, to lift up this new queen. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of look at Jesus. There's going to be a coronation, listen, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's going to be a time that he is set as our, our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. He already is. But he's going to be recognized as such, and what a day that's going to be. But we see, in a sense, a type of coronation of Jesus Christ when he's riding into Jerusalem this day. Now, you know, the first few verses that I read to you, it said there that he told his disciples, or a couple of them there, that they were to go down to, and, and, and uh, uh, into the village where they were, and, and you'll find a cult tied. And we're in that never a man sat, loosely bring him hither. And, and if a man asks you, why do you loose him? You just say, the Lord has need of him. So this is going to be a young donkey that's never been ridden, a young donkey. Now, i not going to be a little tiny one, but it's going to be probably uh, full grown, but yet one that's never been ridden. And his first passenger, if you will, the first one to sit on him, is going to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and he told him very simply, if anybody asks you what you're doing with that, you're just telling the Lord has need of it. Now you can imagine, or you think, at least our way our minds work, that here's this individual, somebody who's got some donkeys there. Here, here's a nice, healthy young one that, that's never been ridden on, never, never done anything, never uh, borne any burdens, if you will. And, and they go again, they untie him and start to lead him off, and, and the owner says, Well, what are you doing with my donkey? Now you think about this. You don't think the Lord goes ahead and prepares the way before us right. just as he goes ahead and prepared the way before them. All they said was what? The master has need of The Lord has need of right. They didn't say another word. Well, I don't care who wants it. That's my donkey. You bring him back. Right. You know, I think that's the way we would be. Somebody to come and, and take something that we have or get it and start carrying it off. And say, hey, hey, where are you going with that? <laughs> well, the Lord has need of it. I don't care who has need of it. That's mine. You need to bring it back. Put it back down. But yet they didn't question, didn't say anything other than when they were told that the Lord had need of them, everything was good. Now when we see this, and there's some things I want to look at this particular day, what we call Palm Sunday, if you will, and some different things that that this day represented. And and the first one was, this was a day of fulfillment. Fulfillment of scripture, fulfillment of prophecy, however you want to look at it. Now you think about what I read to you over there in chapter 18. Jesus said that, that the things that were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Now in that specific verse, he's talking about his suffering. He's talking about what they're going to do to him. He's talking about his death and he's talking about his resurrection. A lot of those you can go back in different Psalms, in the book of Isaiah, and you can read prophecy concerning those things. But we see even the very fact that he's riding a donkey into Jerusalem this day is a fulfillment of prophecy. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us, as we read there in your hearing, it said, They brought him to Jesus, talking about this donkey. They cast their garments upon the colt. They sat Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their garments in the way. And we talk about this triumphal entry this day that Jesus came in. Look what Zechariah said in chapter 9, verse 9 said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. And you think about why in the world would Jesus choose an animal such as a donkey, known as a beast of burden, known as one that was used in work a long time. Why would he choose a a, a donkey to ride into Jerusalem? And folks, when you go back and you look at history, you go back and look at different things, one riding a donkey was a symbol of royalty. One riding a donkey was a symbol of peace. Yeah. And you think about one, you know, you think, about well, here's Jesus. Why didn't he go in on a big stallion or a big horse? Well, one of these days, he's going to be on a big stallion. He's going to come to judge the world. He's going to come to judge Satan. He's going to come and clean house, and he's going to take care of business. And that day, he will be on a, on, a, on a horse, on a big stallion. But this day, he's riding that donkey into Jerusalem, symbolizing that he's royalty. He's the king of kings, and also symbolizing peace. Now, you think about yeah. this for a minute. I've never known a peace like I know in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, my life, I have troubles, I have trials, I have aggravations, I get upset. I have problems just like anybody else. But down inside, I've got a peace that passes all understanding, and it's only because of Jesus Christ. Right? Now, I want you to think about something that Jesus said. Now, we know when he was born, what does the Bible say? Peace on earth. Good will toward men. Do you realize Jesus said that he didn't come to this world to bring peace? That he came to bring a sword. Now, as individuals, when we're saved, he gives us that glorious peace. But yet, when you look at Jesus in the world, and especially today, he's a divider, folks. And it's getting worse and worse and worse that people don't want anything to do with Jesus and anything to do with his people. Amen. And I'm telling you, it's only going to get worse. Right. But we look at Jesus being that symbol of, of royalty, that symbol of peace as he's coming in there. And he knew, and if you remember in the, 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 the ministry of Christ, how many times they sought to kill him. How many times they sought to lay hands on him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious authorities. But we see in some instances, what was his statement of when this would happen? My time has not yet come. But this day Jesus knows his time has come. It's time for him to go back in Jerusalem. Now it doesn't tell us so so much in the scriptures. But I would imagine some of these disciples said, now wait a minute. We've been following this man for three years. We've seen many wonderful miracles. We've seen him raise the dead and do many things. We've listened to him teach like like nobody else. Matter of fact, as one said, never man spake like this man. And he's telling us he's going to go to Jerusalem and be killed. We need to stop this. We need to put it in. We can't let him go to Jerusalem. That's, that's the human way of thinking. But the Bible says, and folks, that made me understand, they were blinded to this. They didn't understand it. So they didn't stand in the way. You remember one time when, when Peter said that he wasn't going to let anybody come to Jesus when he told them that he was going to die? What did he tell him? Get behind me, Satan. Why was he calling Peter Satan or saying that phrase to him? Because Peter was saying, I'm going to stand in the way between you and the cross. And, folks, the devil would have liked nothing else than Jesus Christ not have been able to sacrifice his life for us and not to have risen again the third day. So anybody that was going to stand in the way of Jesus and the cross of Calvary, just as he told Peter there, he said, get behind me, Satan. So these disciples, folks, that Jesus is telling him he's going to Jerusalem. This is going to be his final trip, and he's going to die while he was there. And we have to understand that his coming as a babe in a manger was no coincidence. His life and sinless life and his ministry was no coincidence. His death was no coincidence. His resurrection was no coincidence. It was all the way of God that was planned before creation began. Amen. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From before the foundation of the world. You think about it, folks. This was all the way of God already put in motion. So we see this was a day of what? A day of fulfillment of the prophecy and the word of God. It was also a day of submission. You think about Jesus himself, folks. He knows the future. He knows what tomorrow holds. Sure. He knows what the next day, the next week, next month. For eternity, he knows what lies ahead. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. All right. But yet knowing Jesus as he was going into Jerusalem, as he told his disciples there of everything that was going to happen to him, listen, he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. He shall be mocked, spitefully entreated, spit upon, and they'll scourge him and put him to death. Mm -hmm. And Jesus still willingly went into Jerusalem knowing that was going to happen. Why? Because he submitted fully to the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. There was no turning back. There was no stopping. You think about the, the persecution that He endured and, and the mocking during His earthly ministry. We think about it, not to get a little ahead of next week, but you think about the, the scourging and all the, the, the pain that He endured, folks, after being arrested and, and, and falsely being found guilty and, and assigned to, to death on the cross. And the Bible telling us that at any time, the Scripture tells us, He could have called upon the Father. Amen. Twelve legions of angels. Would have been dispatched from glory and would have come down, and wherever at point Jesus was in his life, would have taken him back to his rightful place in heaven. But you know what? You and I would not have been saved if that would have happened. So Jesus was fully submitted to the will of the Father, knowing what all was going to happen. But we've got to understand, even though he knew all of this, he went. How many of us? I think about times when I, I was growing up as a kid. And and there's certain places when you, you know, we used to walk everywhere. You know, you didn't have a car. You might have a bicycle. Half the time you'd have a flat. You didn't want to take time to fix it, so you walked. And you'd hear your mom and dad would warn you, well, don't go down this part of town. Don't go down this street. Don't go down there because bad things happen. What would we do? We avoided those places. But Jesus Christ was not going to avoid Jerusalem at any cost and what was appointed for him here. And folks said, listen, you think about him knowing ahead of time what he was going to suffer, how he was going to, because here's what you have to understand. This is something we can't wrap our minds around. He was God in the flesh. Emmanuel, the scripture says. God with us. But yet he was man. What are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is he set his glory aside took upon himself the robe of flesh, became man and dwelt among us. And what I'm saying by that is he hurt just like you and I hurt. He felt pain. He thirsted. He he hungered. And there were times that he knew what it was like to have people turn their backs on him and walk away. He knows it all. Because he endured that as human. And you think about him knowing how much the pain is going to be. How much they're going to inflict upon him. How much he's going to suffer. But what did he do? He willingly went anyway. Why? Because he was fully submitted to the will of the Father. He was fully man. And I've said this, you've heard me. I've heard a bunch of people say He was the only person I know that was 200%. He was 100% man. And he was 100% God. No less of either one and who he was. But yet, folks, he took that robe of flesh off for you and I. The only way that a rightful sacrifice could have been given for the sins of mankind, it took Jesus to become flesh. It took Jesus, folks, and listen, that not even gall was found in his mouth to be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And as we said, it was a day of submission, and he submitted fully to the will of God the Father. It was also a day of, this gets into this coronation part, also a day of adoration. Remember what it said that the people did there? And when he was come now, even into the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Now, listen to why it says, For all the mighty works they had seen. They weren't praising him for who he was, they were praising him for what he had done. You hear me? And many times, if we're not careful, we can fall into that same mindset. Not praising Him because He is God, not praising Him because He is Savior, not praising Him because He is Christ, but praising Him for what He's done for us. Well, let me tell you something. He's done so much for me, I could never remember it all. Amen. But I do remember one thing He did for me, and that was die on the cross of Calvary. It saved me that night at the altar when I came to Him, confessing and accepting and repenting. And I thank you for that, folks. And you think about that, for what he had done. You think about all these people that had gathered. You've got to remember what's going on this week. This is Passover week. So what happens during Passover, all these Jews got to come back or have to come back to Jerusalem. And, folks, when you think about what happens during Passover, there's a lamb that's sacrificed. Now I'm going to give you some statistics here. I don't know how accurate they are. It's just what somebody said. But it said during this time, and it actually talked about a census that was done 10 years after this happened, after Jesus triumphal into Jerusalem. And it says during a census taken about 10 years after this time, the number of sacrificial lambs slaughtered for the Passover was determined to be about 260,000. Mm. Now wait a minute. This was 10 years after. But it said, and each lamb It'd be up to for up to ten people. So if every land that was slaughtered was up to ten people, some I'm sure wasn't, maybe just a couple, maybe three or four, whatever the family unit was. You're talking about over two million people that had gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover and here comes Jesus riding into town in a donkey and what are they doing? Man, they're praising, they're giving Him glory. Listen to what they said there. Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In some other places it talks about Hosanna. Praise to Jesus Christ. But listen for what He had done. When you can praise Jesus in the the valley when you can praise Him in the midst of the storm or the heat of the fire or however you want to look at it then you really got a hold of who Jesus is in your life. Mm -hmm. But if you can only praise Him for what He's done for you there's something wrong. Because there's one thing he's done for you. As we said, getting saved, folks, and, and dying for your sins and saving you is the greatest thing that he will ever do. Amen. But they were praising him for what he had done. Now, think about this. <laughs> you couldn't imagine such a scene. Of all these people gathering as Jesus descending from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And, and as they gathered around the streets, and I can remember as a small boy, I probably related this to you before. You know, when I grew up just on the east end of, of, of the town of Logan there. But I can remember on Friday nights when they would have their Christmas parade. Man, the Christmas parade would start about 7 o'clock. If you weren't in town by 5.30 or 6, you didn't get into town. And man, there were so many people lined the streets on, on Main Street, on Stratton Street. You couldn't find a place to see anything. It was packed shoulder to shoulder. Could you imagine being saved if it was two million people about there that had gathered and, and were praising Jesus as he was coming into Jerusalem? Think about it. I mean, our our minds just can't comprehend that. But when we come to the, 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 the thought of the, the, the matter is, or the matter of the thought, however you want to look at it, it is we're to praise him. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's why they were praising Number one, it said for what he had done. But also, you think about some of these people may have never seen Jesus before, but I guarantee you they'd heard about him. Yeah. They'd heard about his miracles. They'd heard about his ministry. They, they'd heard about what? As we said, him raising the dead, giving the blind sight, giving the deaf hear. Hey, feeding thousands mm-hmm. with just a little bit of bread and a cup of fish. Yeah. They'd heard about this. I mean, they were praising him. And they were, you know what they were thinking? Here comes our Savior. But they were saying our Savior from the Roman gospel. Here comes the one that's going to deliver us from the oppression of Rome. Here comes the one that's going to set up a kingdom right here. And he's going to rule and we're going to be set free. That's not what he came for. Mm. Because you see, if he had been an earthly kingdom, that reign would have come to an end. If they had been given freedom from oppression, that eventually would have come to an end. But He came to give us forever deliverance from sin, forever deliverance from the grip and the hold of the devil, and to set us free and we're free in Him. Amen. And He's worthy of our praise. Right. Yes. He's worthy of our praise for what He's done. He's worthy of our praise for what He's doing. He's worthy of our praise for what He's right. going to do. Even in the darkest times, He's worthy to be praised. Our circumstances, our situations, our position does not change who Jesus Christ is and He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords, regardless of what we're going through. But the thing about it is, He said, I'll go with you all the way. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Listen, what the Bible it tells us that what? One of these days. folks. Yeah. Every is going to bow. Yeah. Every tongue's yeah. going to confess. That's I right. thank God I, I'm doing it now. And I'm not doing it in that dreadful day when many are going to stand before Him before they're cast into that lake that burns with fire. And listen, they're going to be begging and pleading and praying and praying and trying to do everything they can. But you better make that decision for Jesus here before you leave this life because there will not be another chance. So it was a day of adoration, also a day of decision. Listen, these people had to make a choice. You and I have to make a choice. As I said, they didn't see him for who he really was. There's many people today confused about who Jesus is. Some will say, well, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was this and he was that. I remember when Jesus said to to him, he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ. the 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 only son of the living God. What Jesus say? Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Because Peter being able to make that confession, and it's always amazed me after Peter made that confession that thou art the Christ, he's still messed up along the way. Mm-hmm. Glad none of us do after we get saved. Right? right? Yeah. We do. Yeah. Because he is who he says he is. He forgives us, and and we can move on. But it was a day of decision. They were shouting, and as I said, many today are still confused about who Jesus is. I'll tell you who He is. As I said, King of kings, Lord of lords, the only begotten Son of God, our Savior, Christ, the Anointed One. Amen. And there is no other. It was a day of decision. And, folks, we all have to come to that day of decision that we either accept or reject Jesus Christ. And this is something I want you to understand. Some people may say in their mind, well, I don't want to make that decision today. You already did. Yeah. By not making a decision, you have rejected him. Amen. And you'll answer for that rejection one of these days if you don't accept him somewhere down the line. Amen. But yet, we said he's worthy of our praise and to know, folks, that truly, that even though the people were confused, you look what was happening there. Look what it says in... In verse 39, some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. It was a time of decision for them. Yeah. They already made their minds up. They didn't like Jesus, they didn't want Jesus. They didn't want any of his people. They didn't want anybody talking about him. Right. Man. Nothing new under the sun. Right. Amen. Here, Amen. We're seeing right. we it today. And we've been seeing, and we'll see it more. But yet the people were praising and giving him glory, even though it was misguided. They were doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves that. Are we doing the right thing for the wrong reason? But they said, Jesus, tell your people to shut up. Now, I know many of you, if you like me, my mind immediately goes to sleep. Talks about the rocks he had out on the and He said, to remind me, I don't want any rocks crying out in my place. Right. That's right. We're to praise him from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun. The scripture tells us that he inhabits our praise. Right. He's pleased with it, folks. It blesses him. He likes us when we praise him, regardless of our situation. But these Pharisees, as the people were praising Jesus Christ, they said, listen, man, make them shut up. Mm-hmm. As we said, one of these days, Every knee's going to bow. Right. Every time he's going to confess yeah. uh-huh. that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah. Looks, there's coming a day. Yeah. But yet the decision for these Pharisees and stuff was what? Tell them to shut up. Yeah. What do you see being suppressed yeah. in this nation today? Yeah. Now you can't say that in some uh, situations or some venues because then you're called uh, whatever you're going call. But you think about this, folks. Christianity is being attacked. But you don't see it in the news. Everything else that people perceive as being attacked is in the news. It's magnified. It's glorified. Just look what's going on here recently in this nation. But yet, if you say, I want to stand up for Christianity, you're a bigot. You're uh, this and you're that and everything else. But they didn't want anything to do with Jesus, folks. And let me tell you something world still does not want anything to do with Jesus. We also see it was a day of confirmation. Jesus said there in verse 40 he answered and said unto them I tell you that if these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out. What is he saying? He said regardless of what happens here Regardless if they would hold their peace and they would shut their mouth, whatever the situation is, I'm going to be praised and I'm going to be glorified, Why? Because the rocks would even cry. Amen. That's right. Now, I know you heard this, I've heard that, and there's some description in scripture of it that creation praises the Creator. Amen. Yeah. Whether it be the birds of the air, whether it be the trees clapping their hands. Whether it be the flowers as they, they grow and give the beauty, whatever it is, creation praises God. Amen. The creator. Right. And Jesus is simply telling him, here, let me tell you something. This is a time that's appointed for praise to be given. And if it's not going to come from man, it'll come from creation. Amen. Now I ask you that simple question that slipped over You want a rock crying out in your place? Right. You want somebody else crying out in your place? Yes, sir. We need to give him glory. We need to praise him while we have the opportunity. Yeah. That's right. Let him know that we thank him for what he's done for us. We thank him for the blessings he's bestowed upon us because we know as Christians who he is and he lives within us through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we ought to praise him. We ought to lift him up and understand we need to have a praise for our King. Now, you think about this. I I, I kind of touched on this a few minutes ago. Here they said, here comes our king." Matter of fact, what did they say there? (laughs) Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, Lord, and high. Blessed be the king that's going to come and set up here and deliver us and rule us and everything's going to be peace and and hunky-dory and happy from here on out. They were praising Jesus for a misguided thought, what they thought He was going to be. Shouldn't we praise Him even the more? Because of what He did, actually, by dying and rising again that third day for you and I, being at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, that He saved us from a devil's hell. He brought us up out of that horrible pit, out of miry clay, set our feet upon a rock. He blesses us day in and day out. Should we not praise Him for the things He does? But many times, what do we find ourselves going to complain? Yeah. Folks, I'll tell you what. This has nothing to do with nothing, but I, I just I thought entered my mind. When I was a young man growing up, a young boy growing up, I had this perception. And it wasn't because somebody told me that's the way it was. I had this perception that preachers and pastors and, and all that, they never had a they never had trials. They never complained because you never saw them do it when you were in their presence. But let me tell you something. Give you a reality check. We all suffer. Amen. We all come short. We all fall short. We all vote sin from time to time.
1: Yeah. We all
0: miss the mark in our life. I don't care if it's the, the, the greatest pastor in the nation down to the least member on a, on a church pew. We are all the same. Why? Because we're flesh and blood. That's why we need to praise Him, right? Yeah. because He looks beyond our fault and yeah. He sees the need. Yes. He knows we're going to fail, but loves us anyway. He knows we come short, but He loves us anyway. And what does He do? He gives us a little more grace. Yes, a yes. A little more strength and a little more help along the way, folks. I tell you right now, I couldn't make it a own I try. I look around this world today, and I see people that don't have Jesus. My thought is, man, how do you make it? Oh, yeah. Right. And you see things come into their life that just about destroy them. And yeah. I see Christians that go through great tragedies. Yeah, there's tears shed. There's pain. They're upset. They have uh, the weight of the world on their shoulders, but yet they come through with the help of Christ. Yeah. If you're here today and not saved, let me tell you something. He's making his entry. Yeah. Isaiah says, Call upon him while he's near. Seek him Amen. while he may be found. Amen. Today might be a day of decision for you. And to understand, if you say, well, I'm not going to make that decision today. You just made it. If you don't say, I accept Jesus, you're saying, I reject Jesus. Folks, and it's that simple today. As we stand, Sister King. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. As we said in opening up, how could you consider a trial? He's going there to die. Because he didn't just go there to die. He told him he was going to die, and he was going to raise again. And folks, that's exactly what he said, what he did. He's alive, and he's alive forevermore. he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives we can live our lives in this old sin sin, sin, fallen world Paul even said it's not me but it's he who lives in me the only way we're going to make it is with Jesus listen he don't care about your past he don't care about where you've been he don't care about what you've done he just says come to me I'll make you a new creature. And it's that simple today. Anyone here doesn't know the Lord is your Savior. Why don't you He's waiting for you. Thank God one day He called me. Matter of fact, He called me more than once. There were many times I rejected Him. Night, I come down and kneel, kneel at that altar. Let me tell you something: I've never been the same since. Not perfect, not sinless, but I've never been the same since. They changed my life forever. He'll do the same for you, Christians. Today, let's not forget that He's worthy of our praise. Doesn't matter what's going on in our life, how tough downplaying anybody's situation i not saying that it doesn't matter. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying, when you're a child of God, Scripture says we're to give Him thanks in all things. All things. And why is that? Paul told us why. Because all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to His purpose. We might get beat up and get beat down along the way, but let me tell you, when we come to the end of the road, all gonna make it good, and all ought to make it for God's glory. Don't fail to give Him praise today. He's worth it. Amen. Don't fail to give Him praise today. He deserves it. We don't care to tell somebody about somebody here in this world that's done something good for us. Oh, let me tell you about this. One. Let me tell you what they've done for me. Let me tell you what Jesus done.